Incredible performance. Shock and awe in college basketball. UMBC makes history in Charlotte. Ladies and gentlemen, all of our listeners, welcome back. Monster Mangus here in the nation's capital, <clears throat> kicking it off for another week here in the stew, giving you all episode 11, Bracketology. We're here to ensure you that as you roll into March Madness, you have the perfect bracket, and our host here, Tommy Lasagna, says he does. So we're going to go ahead and make sure that we put a little bit of money in your pocket and educate you as we roll into bracketology here at End of Regulation. So let's go ahead and kick it off and introduce the crew that is in the stew. So first up, coming to us from the West Coast, Harrison, the SF Girthquake Grimes. How we doing, kid? <laughs> We're doing good, boys. Uh, my favorite time of year, March Madness. Roll that right into Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, life is good right now. Man, deja vu. I, I, I'm excited about this. I'm really yes. excited about this. Yes. Well, uh, next up, hailing to us from Richmond, uh, you know, supporting his VCU Rams here, Tommy Two-Hole Lasagna. How we doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'd like to take this time to thank you for dinner tonight. Uh, my right. host here absolutely bought me dinner tonight. You know, get you a host that can do both. Yeah, man. Got my commission, so everybody wins. Let's kick it off. I think Joe Flacco is actually a very elite quarterback. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. You got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. Ladies and gentlemen, we also wanted to mention uh, that, unfortunately, end of regulation host Brent Jernigan will not be joining us tonight. He is in the midst of putting together Orion Tannehill Shrine. What do you know about Ray Finkel? Um, as you all know, uh, there was some big news that broke uh, over in Titansville, and he is extremely excited that Ryan is joining the team. So he's he's prepping for that, but we'll see him next week, and uh, we hope you well. So <clears throat> with that being said, let's kick it off here. Wanted to hear some initial thoughts from you all before we dive into the depths of bracketology. Just about initial thoughts uh, on the field. We'll, we'll keep it brief here, but just want to hear about any surprises, uh, snubs, or, or if you're just happy overall with the number one seeds. Well, I was looking through all this and like making picks in my head, whatever, first look through, and I look down and it's all, you know, one, 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 one seed, and that's just not what you want when you're filling out this bracket. So I don't really know what to think right now. Um, my biggest question mark comes probably with the Midwest division. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into all that soon. Yeah, I thought, I thought it all made sense. I mean, you know, Tennessee losing in the SEC championship, you know, was an obvious to push them to number two. You know, I know Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's uh, for the West Coast Conference Championship. But, you know, given how they played all year and how they pretty much, you know, handled business, uh, you know, through every single game, it made sense to keep them at the number one. And then, of course, the way things panned out, you know, putting Duke at that number one overall, number one seed uh, made too much uh, sense. And, uh, you know, obviously Duke's the team to beat uh, this year in the tournament. And in that bracket, too, I was really surprised that Michigan State got a two seed. I think they got snubbed um, really running the Big Ten this season, beating Michigan three times, including a comeback win in the Big Ten championship. 
Um, you know, Tom is a coach team. It's hard to doubt them. And I think they might be a little pissed off at the Did they seed. get – you're talking they got snubbed by getting put in the same bracket as Duke or getting snubbed out of a one seed? Uh, I mean, the same bracket as Duke doesn't help. But um, the one seed, I, I, I thought they played overall, you know, just better than Gonzaga down the stretch. And I think that loss should hurt them. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in St. Mary's. And it, I guess the, the committee is obviously looking at everyone's, you know, larger season body of work as opposed to the last few games. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I know that before we dive in, um, Tom had some update about NC Central and, and their head coach over there, so I'm going to turn it over to him before we start here. Yeah, so uh, NC Central program has been in Division One for only eight years now, um, and this coach, uh, Lavelle, Coach Lavelle, um, was an a player there in the 90s so he's back at his alma mater and he's on the radio saying pleading to the committee please don't put us with duke i don't want to play with duke have you been watching what, what zion's doing out there he'll eat us alive like do not put us with duke and naturally what does the committee do they put him as a 16 seed in the playing game for duke so we're putting so, duke uh, on upset watch right uh yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's happened before now, you know. Duke's on upset watch, everybody. Just watch who's out. Gonna, who's going to be the one seed to go down now? Is it going to be? And we don't even know. If, we don't even know if NC Central is going to even be in that game. So maybe the guy won't yeah. even get to get to play Duke after all. So. <laughs> maybe he'll just fucking throw the game. Yeah, he's, Regard, he's that afraid. Show, ter- terrible, terrible look. Like if you're the team, I, I would be like, dude, what? I mean, like, give us give us a moment to at least shine. Yeah, I, I, almost as a player, like. Maybe they're just like, thanks, coach. Like, now when Zion dominates me for 50 points, like, we can say, I told you so. It may, it might, maybe yeah, it's just I like mean, a parachute to fall back on. It's a double-edged sword there, I guess. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, let's go ahead and just kick it off here. Uh, do a deep dive right into it. Give the people what they deserve. Uh, the end of regulation bracketology masterpiece. So we've gone ahead and covered the East Coast to the West Coast. We're going to give you all some of our favorite uh, games, some upsets, some sleeper picks, things that you should, uh, should expect. So let's start off just here on the East Coast, Beast Coast, uh, with this VCU-UCF game. Uh, VCU at 8 and UCF at 9. There's been a lot of back and forth as to who's going to pull this off. Uh, and I'll kick it over to Tom. Yeah, well, to talk uh, to us a little bit about his. If rounds. you guys can see my sweatshirt here for our listeners, it's a sexy black VCU uh, sweater, and I look great in it. DM if you I want. I look great one. in it, but I think VCU is going to look even better in this black and gold uh, against UCF. Uh, Marcus Evans got hurt in the A10 tournament. Who is our best player, uh, player of the year in the A10, a unanimous first team point guard. And he went down, and obviously we ended up getting bounced in the first round. I think, being that we're an eight seed now, we could have maybe been a, a five or six seed. Uh, we won like thirteen games in a row heading into the A10 tournament, and Marcus Evans is scheduled to play again. And I think we can stick it to this UCF team, who really struggled against like the up tempo pressure against Memphis in uh, their conference tournament. I think VCU can bring that same threat, um, and you know just get it done grind it out like we've been doing all season dude this is some black and gold on black and gold crime about to go down and the rams are going to stick it to the knights in this one i understand yes, that they got taco fall who's seven foot 100 but it doesn't matter <laughs> because the guy's slow as anything 
Uh, and, you know, VCU, man, they rank top 10 nationally in defensive efficiency. Uh, UCF isn't that great offensively, um, you know, from what I've seen at least. And, and you know, they got some experienced players. I know B.J. Taylor has uh, been, you know, playing at a high caliber for about three years. Taco Fall has been there for, I believe, four years now. Um, but I think at the end of the day, man, I think VCU Rams are going to take this one home and, and uh, avoid the, the early just, upset. Uh, just real quick before we move on so, here, i got to give my boy Marcus Santos Silva, our junior forward. He's our leading big guy, Massachusetts boy. Got to give him a quick shout-out. He's about to put taco. He's about to eat taco. That's what's going to happen. eat some tacos. I love it. Kid's about to eat so, taco. Just, just, to play, just to play devil's advocate here uh, for the listeners, uh, you know, taco – I get it, slow as hell. Uh, but if you've got that guy guarding the rim, then you've got no one on VCU that's driving the rim. And in Division One, they rank near the bottom in three-pointers. So that poses a little bit of a threat for them. That's the only concern that I have. Um, I, you know, I'm cheering for black and gold and, and Tom's uh, soon-to-be alma mater. Hopefully. but. It's it's looking like it's going to be a tight matchup, so I'm excited to see it. I think it'll be a really good. It doesn't really game. matter because either um, way, they're running definitely. into Duke next round. So, you know, if you're worried if you're worried yeah, about picking yeah. <laughs> one or the other, don't worry. It's not going to mess up your bracket too much because Duke's going to steamroll whoever comes through there. Oh no, I'm I'm lo- I'm, I'm gonna put yeah, a little money exactly. on VCU. They've done it before. 2011, they made it from an 11 seed to the Final Four. They beat the number one overall that. team. That was shock. Shock is smart. Yeah, uh, um Eric Maynor pretty much single-handedly beat Kansas. One of the most prolific games in history of college basketball. But uh, yeah, go Rams. Well, let's talk. Um, let's talk this next matchup. This number six seed Maryland versus uh, you know whomever comes out on top of this Belmont Temple game. A um, lot of back and forth on this one as well. Um, you know, I think. People see Maryland as a promising team down the stretch, but I think in actuality um, they've proven quite the opposite um, as not much of an offensive threat. So would love to hear from you guys. I- I've actually got Belmont and or Temple moving forward on this one, um, but I'll-, I'll turn it over to yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is definitely a upset alert type of game. Uh, I-, I expect Belmont to-, to win their playing game over Temple. Um you know they're they're kind of they thrive with uh, Dylan Wind, Windler, who's a six foot eight guard from Indianapolis. He averages a double double, which is a very tough thing to do in college basketball. He's averaging twenty one points a game and ten rebounds. Um, and they're just a really good team, man. They were a top fifty team all year, won twenty five and four. Uh, you know through the regular season, and you know they're going to be a tough matchup for pretty much any team. And, you know, conversely, Maryland is one of the youngest teams in America, very inexperienced, especially, you know, when you come, you know, come March Madness time and come tournament time. So uh, I understand that they've got some very good young talent, but I just think they're, they're too inexperienced, um, you know, to, to overcome, you know, Belmont uh, in this first round here. So I'm taking the upset for a six to beat or for an 11 to beat the six ranked Maryland Terrapins. Yeah, I I should probably rephrase what I said. I don't necessarily think of them not as an an offensive threat, but I think of them not as a threat come March Madness. I think every year we see <clears throat> Maryland make it in, and you know nothing really comes of it. So um, I've got Belmont 
going forward on this one. So that's where my money lies. The more I was with you guys initially, and the more I look at this game, uh, Maryland has been inconsistent because of their their youth. But when they're good, it's because of their size. This team is huge. And when you look at a roster like Temple that is a little undersized, if Temple comes out of that game, I like Maryland a lot. Uh, Belmont uh, pretty much live and die at at the three-point line. They love to shoot. But they don't play any defense. Like they've lost or, or won and lost games like a hundred to ninety this year. And I mean, I, I if Belmont wins, I think there's a chance of an upset. But either way, I like Maryland and their size to just physically dominate and get into the next round. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see who comes out on this Belmont Temple game. I think that'll really be the determining factor. We'll obviously keep you all posted. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the south here. We've got uh, two great matchups here to talk about. The first being number six, Villanova versus 11 seed St. Mary. Um, Tom, I'm going to kick it over to you first, uh, having previously mentioned, you know, not being too much Yeah, I mean, when you Mary. look at them sort of on paper, um, Villanova stands out like head and shoulder. Ch- Biggie's champion, uh, perennial, you know, elite eight mention. And St. Mary's, frankly, shouldn't be here. They pulled off a tough upset against Gonzaga, so good to, good for them. Um, but they really don't have any other really big wins. Um, they lost to LSU. They lost to Mississippi State. Those are both close games. But then they kind of lost big to teams like Utah State and New Mexico, both by, like, 15 points. And I, I, I just have a tough, t- tough time trusting St. Mary's right here. And I think Villanova has the experience in Phil Booth and Eric Pascal to get it done against a, a weaker team that, you know, their season was made when they won last week because they weren't supposed to win last week. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I got I to gotta side with you, Tom, here. And, and it really comes down to experience. I mean, you know, they still have two players from last season's title-winning game uh, team. Uh, I know they lost some key players like Jalen Brunson and uh, a couple other guys, but you know, St. Mary's is another team that kind of lives and dies by the three. Um, you know, they during the regular season, Gonzaga beat them twice by a combined 62 points. So I think this last game in the West Coast Conference Championship was more of a flash in the pan. Almost like uh, Gonzaga kind of mailed it in a little bit. I don't know what the, you know, what the reasoning behind that would be, but for them to put up 47 points in the Conference Championship game, makes little to no sense to me. Um, I think it was more that Gonzaga lost that game more than St. Mary's won that game. Um, and I think Villanova just has the experience. Jay Wright, I mean, this is the 14th time in, in the 15 years that Nova's been in the NCAA tournament. Um, and so, you know, he's got all the experience in the world. And, and I think when it comes down to it, Villanova's just a, a better, t- more talented team. And, and I think that's all that's going to matter when it comes down to it. Yeah. Gee, you there? <laughs> Did we lose Gardner? All right, well, fuck him. Tom, what do we got next? Fuck him. All right, well, next, um, if we're still going to stay in the south here. Um, yeah. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. If we're, if we're still in the south here, uh, one matchup that keeps growing and growing on me has been Oregon and Wisconsin. And I really don't know why, and I've been so against the Pac-12 all season, but I woke up today and I'm like, I kind of like Oregon. And I just, I really don't have an answer why. Yeah, I mean, 
I think we we were talking a lot of shit about them this weekend uh, after their performance. Uh, who did they play? They played Washington. Uh, it was just like piss poor basketball in my opinion. But um, yeah, I, I think I have Oregon taking this upset. Um, but I uh, I've got them fucking going head to head against the Ant Eaters in round two, uh, which is also another you know matchup that we have here. Um, the, the Kansas State UC Irvine game. Um, so I, I think Oregon does make a pass, but I think they shit the bed, as you had mentioned, as a Pac-12 team to uh, number thirteen UC yeah. Irvine the Anteaters. In, in this, it, well, before we get ahead there, the thing I like about Oregon is that when you look at their their quality wins, the one that sticks out to me is they beat Syracuse by fifteen. And Wisconsin is a very similar style of basketball to Syracuse, where they play slow, they control the pace. And they just grind out buckets. And, you know, they never let you get away, but they're always there. And then when you look at teams that Wisconsin has lost to, they lost to Michigan State twice, Purdue, and Marquette. And they all sort of play the same ball that Oregon does, where they're going to try and outpace you and, you know, score as much as they can. And it's just, uh, you know, a a bad sort of personnel matchup for Wisconsin, who really underperformed by all means this year. So I'm riding Oregon here, and I hope you do too. Uh, I'm I'm only going to disagree for, I just, you know, I know Oregon was inconsistent, especially kind of in the middle of the season after they lost ball, ball, another seven foot, a million guy from, I don't know, Africa, I'm assuming. Uh, but they did finish the season, you know, on, a, on an eight game win streak, uh, won the Pac-12. But I, I, one guy I really like, you know, Ethan Happ is obviously one of the best players that has, you know, gone through Wisconsin um, in school history, really. And last year when they missed the NCAA tournament, that was the first time they'd missed it in two decades. So I like to imagine that they're going to play with a little chip on their shoulder, uh, try to kind of, you know, re-ingrain themselves in the NCAA tournament and try to make some noise. Um, And then just another guy that I like to watch, and and I think it'll be, you know, if they win, and I think they will, it'll be, you know, kind of on the shoulders of Khalil Iverson, um, who is a a senior guard, and and I think he's going to be kind of a, a bit of a difference maker in this game. And he probably has the best name in all of college basketball. And the best name, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is interesting. I'm looking at this, uh, Tom. You mentioned, you know, the Badgers being sporadic this season uh, in terms of shooting. They dropped down to 52nd in the nation uh, in terms of offense. So, uh, you know, again, I think this is just uh, I'm siding with you here on, on Oregon advancing. Um, so I'll go ahead and break the tie there on that note. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think the dr- the dip in offense definitely had to do with Ethan Happ's injury, and I, I think he's going to be 100% now. He-, he played through the Big Ten, so he should be fine. But, um, yeah, let's not dig too much into this. You like UC Irvine, too? I do. I have I have UC Irvine <laughs> going forward. Um, I know that we-, we-, we chatted about this a little bit this weekend and well, yesterday, but... Yeah, well, Kansas State's in the same boat where they have another big man, just like um, Ethan Happ. Dean Wade going to become a household name this March if he's healthy. And he was in a walking boot in their their team's uh, you know selection party, and his status for the tournament is still really in question. And I don't know if K State can get it done without him. Yeah, I think, and we talked about this off air. If if you know. If Dean Wade is playing and and he's 100% go, even if he's maybe even like 85, 90% go, you know I think Kansas State should be able to to, to beat out UC Irvine. But 
you know, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, UC Irvine is, you know, a pretty dangerous team and, and definitely, you know, a lot of people are talking about Kansas State being on upset alert for this one. So I'm going to stick with that. If Dean Wade plays, I'm putting Kansas State through. So this is going to be a kind of a last minute, you know, make sure you're, you're refreshing your ESPN app or your Bleacher Report app to, uh, to, see, to see what's good with that. So that's where I'm going to stick with this one. Alrighty, well, I think uh, that's that's a good note to give to the listeners in terms of last-minute updates. Um, we'll try to keep you posted uh, if we can. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about these anteaters. Uh, I'm fucking digging them this uh, this year. I think, you know, having come off, what, what was it mentioned, 16-game winning streak, you know, I think they've kind of got momentum riding on their side, and they're going to bring that into uh, – March Madness, which is what it's all about, right? It is riding that fucking wave and that momentum. So mm-hmm. we've seen it done before, and I'd love to see it. So let's uh, let's go ahead and, and just push on um, from the south. I know that we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about in the west, the number seven seed Nevada versus the number ten Florida. Tom, you know you've been flip flopping on this a little bit, so um, I'll give you the pleasure to kicking us off here. Yeah, uh, I mean, Nevada has sort of been considered, you know, not legit for the whole season, and I think a lot of that is tending to sway people's opinions on this game. But, you know, they have an excellent veteran trio that made an Elite Eight run last year, uh, led by Caleb and Cody Martin, the two uh, four twins, and um, their six foot seven senior, Jordan Caroline. And,. They are just an offensive juggernaut together. It's going to be hard for anybody to stop. Uh, being said, Florida prides itself on its defense, um, and you know, playing in a much tougher SEC, this is one of those games. It's like you know, how how much are you going to consider the divisions that this team is coming out of? Yeah, I I think all those points are, are valid, and and you know, another one is. Um, you know the Wolfpack, the Nevada Wolfpack. They're the second uh, most experienced team in in the tournament this year, and uh, you know I I think I don't know I I predicate a lot of my picks on experience. That's why I was kind of giving shit to Maryland before, um, you know. But I think uh, these guys are are pretty primed up to make some sort of a run. Um, they got a, they got a tough path having to play uh, Michigan in, in the second round, but um, and then probably Texas Tech after that. So they're gonna have a tough a tough you know run to make, but. I think they should be able to make. Uh, I think they should be able to get past Florida in, at least in the first round. Righteous. Well, um, next up on the docket is I'm seeing a number five uh, Marquette versus number twelve Murray State. Uh, this has been kind of a much debated topic, uh, not only internally here at end of regulation, but also uh, seemingly viral. Talk about a, as well. Talk about an absolute toss up of a game. Yeah, we were uh, yeah. we were talking about this at work, and if everyone was cool with it, would you just let John Morant and, and Marcus Howard play one on one, you know, yes. first to twenty one for the game? Yes, I would. We should just I, get I a, We should just that. get a GoFundMe to to get that to happen. I mean, realistically, that's what this game is going to turn into. It's going to be eight guys standing around and watching these two players go at it. And if you're not, you know, calling in sick from work, canceling plans, whenever to watch this game. You're you're doing college basketball wrong. Uh, this game is this Thursday at four thirty. Do not miss it. So let's um, 
let's go ahead and, and just address the elephant in the room. Who who do we have going through? Uh, <laughs> I, damn it! I'm gonna Wait, I'm gonna shoot. Go um, as I've of got, right now, as of I, right now, I've got as of right now, I've got Marquette going through. The reason being, and it's kind of a stupid fucking reason to to have one team winning over another. It seems like one of those situations where everyone's kind of wants Murray State to go through and, and, and get the upset. But I think when it comes down to it, I think Marquette's a more of a complete team. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, you know, and I think that's that's going to kind of just do it for them. I think that's going to be enough to get them through. Um, and, and that'll be fine. I mean, John Morant will still be a lottery pick most likely. I don't think this is going to hurt his stock at all, but I just think I think Marquette's just uh, got a little bit too much firepower for for Murray State. That's that's the thing though. I'm kind of envisioning John Morant coming out and being like Steph Curry and Davidson. Everyone's starting to believe the hype, and then he just comes out and drops 40 points in an NCAA game. And he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm fucking nasty. <laughs> Read about me. Yeah. Don't watch me. Watch me on TV." And he just so I'm assuming <sighs> you've got Marquette moving forward or or what, Tom? As of right now, I'm changing. I'm going Murray State. Marquette, Marquette Murray has State every too. time and, I've been big not, on them and, this year. Marquette has let me down. I'm done. I'm not going back to my ex for the fourth time. I'm staying strong. I'm moving on. Murray State. All right, I like it. I went with Murray State, and I'll let all the listeners know that it was not for the statistical logistical uh reasoning that harrison and uh harrison and that other that other guy here was simply it was simply for the upset factor so (laughs) that's that's why we're here for the upsets so uh let's kick it over the midwest to talk some more upsets especially with this number uh eight seed utah state versus this number one unc team any chance they make it through? Uh, yeah. I mean, UNC is probably. I think UNC is going to win the championship first and foremost. I'm just going to put that out there now. No, I. I'm not talking about UNC. I'm talking Utah State. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, they're fucked with a capital F. Utah State is. Yeah. Over Washington, or you think Washington's going to bounce Utah State? Oh no! I thought we we were all in mutual agreement. That oh oh, we are going to win. Sorry. Yep. Okay. I see where we're at now. A little mis- <laughs> miscommunication there. No. Yeah. Right, we so didn't even consider Washington. Two. That's where that's where our stock is in them. Yeah. Fade the fuck out of Washington, whether it's betting or, or entering your bracket. Uh, they don't. They're not going to win. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> we should uh, we should mention this is a round two because we've completely just rode off Washington. So, uh, uh, full disclosure. As much fun as it would be to see UNC get bounced, um, I've also got them going far. I don't want to give away any any secrets, but uh, I've got them going far. Huh? Huh? All right. Not disclosing too much with that? I, well, uh, hey, man, I got, mo- I got money to win too, but I'm going to help people out with the initial rounds, and then they can decide for themselves how, how it goes from there. I hear it. Well, let's talk this um, number seven Wofford Terriers versus this number uh, ten Seton Hall team. Yeah, I, I've I've been very big on the Big East this year. I think it's a tough division, um, and they really just kind of bang up on each other. But there are a lot of good teams, and Seton Hall being one of them, probably riding the hottest one of the hottest streaks in the tournament behind Auburn. 
Um, they rallied and beat Marquette in the Big East tournament and lost by a two to Villanova in the final. Um, they also hold wins over Kentucky and Maryland this year. So, I mean, this is a, you know, a, a pretty tight team. And when you look at them um, kind of overlooking that second-round matchup to Kentucky, I can see them getting motivated to beat who has been a good Wofford team all season. Um, I'm sticking with Seton Hall here. Oh, yeah. Really? All right. I, Interesting. You know, I know Wofford has, you know, absolute sharpshooter Fletcher McGee, but which is one of the uh, – it's one of the whiter names – I think ever in college basketball, <laughs> the whitest, the, the Fletcher whitest. McGee. I mean, the guys. I mean, the guy can shoot the rock from anywhere. Um, but I, I just think you know when a team has to rely too much on one player to perform offensively. You know, I, I fully expect Seton Hall to try to lock him down and just make it really tough for him. He's tough to guard. He moves all over the court. Uh, he he plays with a lot of energy and. And a lot of times when he shoots, he'll adjust his body in midair, which is, is unique uh, to him, but he seems to make it work. Um, you know, one of the best three-point three, uh, three point shooters in college basketball. But I think overall, I think, see, like Tom said, I think Seenal is riding a good wave of momentum. I think they've had a tough season where they've seen a lot of good teams and kind of been able to, to evaluate themselves and, and, you know, figure out what, what works best for them. So uh, I think Seenal is going to be able to come out uh, of this one. And I I will I will say right. this will be another good game to turn into. Uh, watching Fletcher McGee go off against Miles Miles Powell, who is averaging like thirty five a game or sorry twenty five a game um, in the Big East championship. So I mean he's he's feeling it right now, and it should be a good uh, you know head to head battle between those two guys. Man, you guys have me really thinking hard now. I'm gonna have to go back to the drawing boards <laughs> on this one. I was kind of really, I was really, uh, I was listening too hard to Jernigan's, you know, thoughts on on these terriers. But we'll 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 think about that later. Um, well, we talked a little bit about a round two matchup with that UNC Utah State game. Uh, I know that we did want to circle back quickly and just talk about uh, a round two potential matchup in the East, which will be Louisville versus Michigan State. So. Um, We'll turn it over to Douglas to kick us off here. Yeah, man. Uh, with his uh, this is you know this East bracket's a really it's a tough one. Um, you know Louisville's been they're an interesting team. They've you know kind of been inconsistent, but they've got some like really good wins on their resume. Uh, wins over North Carolina and Virginia Tech, uh, and they beat Michigan State at home. You know, but then in the same breath they've had bad losses against Boston College and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, so it's really hard to say. It's kind of like one of those any given Sunday. Uh, you know, type of analogies um, where you never really know what type of team Louisville is going to come out with. But I think when it comes back to it, Michigan State is playing, I think, as well as anybody in, in college basketball right now, better than just about any team. Uh, Cassius Winston is, is one of the best players in college basketball. Um, I think he won Big Ten Player of the Year, I believe. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I think, you know, he's really what makes that team go. And Tom Izzo is you know, one of the best coaches there is in college basketball. So I think, you know, Michigan State should be able to handle business here and, and keep moving on. Yeah, I was – this is another one of those games I just keep going back and forth on because I was with Michigan State, and I still agree that they got snubbed as a one seed. But when you look at Louisville at 20-13, and 13, um, they had a tough skid down the end of the stretch here. But, you know, they lost twice to UVA, once to North Carolina. So, I mean, it's – 
it, it's tough to hold it against them considering that they really are playing the number one seeds in the regular season. Think about that. Like they've played all three, three of the four number one seeds. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that experience is like, you know, as a seven seed, it kind of knocked them down, but they play a lot better and they <sighs> frankly should be ranked a lot higher than a seven seed. So uh, I'm going to, for now, I'm going to stick with you Michigan state, but I, I don't know. Text me before this game tips off because I could have switched <laughs> well, by then. We've kind of multiple <laughs> times through some of these, um, Round one, round two matchups, some of our sleepers, uh, some of the upsets. Want to hear from you guys, and I'll also obviously disclose. Um, obviously, this is contingent uh, on a lot of things, so it may change. But want you guys to just go ahead and throw out who you have taken home the entirety of uh, this this tournament. Um, well, Grimes. I, I, I see this. I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll say, I mean, and, whatever, I'll say it. I won't say who's my final. I won't say who's in my final four, but I'll say who takes no, it home. Just, just the one pick, one word. Who you taking? Duke. I'm taking North Carolina. Do you have a Tobacco Road final too? I'm taking Duke. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Everyone has this. <laughs> Everybody's gonna have that, dude. It's all about who comes so, out of those other two brackets. That's all. That's how all the winners are gonna be decided. Whoever comes out of the the top right and bottom left. Damn it. So for for our our listeners, a little context on on why we're all yucking up a storm over here. Uh, We've been constantly talking about some of these big upsets and some of these teams that have a chance to make a run. However, at the end of the day, no matter how many times you change your fucking bracket, it seems that the same teams (laughs) are in the top four. Uh, every and, single time, and if not, it's probably the time. And we teams. could be the biggest assholes in the room right now, and, and be totally off, and watch Duke get bounced by Michigan State, or watch fucking UNC get bounced by Auburn or Utah State, and we could be the biggest assholes. But you know, we've watched a lot of basketball this year. We've definitely watched a lot of Duke versus UNC this year, and uh, those two teams, man. I think everybody, you know, most people in America, unless you're a diehard fan of one of these other teams wants to see that uh, as the final. Those two teams going back at it. Well, on on that note, who who are a couple teams you think that can make a Cinderella type run here? Because I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's bound to happen. It's bound. It is. I totally agree. I let me take a quick look here, Tom. What who do you got? One team that really jumps off the page to me is Auburn. Um, just. They took down the SEC, and they took down a very, very good Tennessee team. And, you know, the way they did it is they literally just shot the lights out. And I think that will advance them past New Mexico and Kansas. And then it'll give them a fighting chance against a UNC team who's among the top in the country in points per game. And, you know, if they just grind it out down low and, you know, make it rain from deep, I give them a chance, and it's it's all about riding that wave we were talking about, and I think Auburn is riding the biggest wave of all sixty-eight in the bracket. I I um, that's I, I love that point. I mean, I watched that that SEC championship man, and then they play with a ton of energy. It's unbelievable. I mean, you saw uh, who's it, Justin Harper? There was like uh, fifty-seven seconds left in the game, and the ball is going out of bounds, and the dude literally did a full, you know, full-out dive to try to keep the ball in play, and and they were up by twenty points. And like yeah. that kind of stuff, Bruce Pearl, man, Bruce Pearl will get those guys jacked up to play any, any every single one of these games. Um, you know, they got a tough road. They're going to probably run into Kansas. They're probably going to run into North Carolina. 
And then, you know, if they even get past that point, you know, they're going to have to play the likes of probably, probably Houston or Kentucky. Um, so we'll see. But I, I definitely like that team to, to make some sort of a run. Um, and then another one, Tom, that, that I like is, uh, and I hate to say this because they're, you know, arch enemies for me is, is Florida State. Dude, I love, love, I won't say anything more, but I love Florida State. Talk about a team that's played, you know, they've, they've, just like Louisville, they play that ACC schedule, so they play all the best teams in the country. And, yeah, man, they won 12 of their last 13 games, ended up losing that final to Duke, but played them hard the entire way. Um, and, yeah, man, they, they got experience, and they're, they're a dangerous they're team. They're probably Super the deepest team bench-wise. They have, like, nine or ten guys that can go in and, and just, you know, act like they've been starters. Um, and, and, and they and, – they're just massive too <laughs> and not to mention they you know relative to auburn they've or even you know louisville or whoever they've got a pretty easy path to the final four yeah or I to, think, to the, at I least th- to the elite eight i think the west is uh probably the weakest conference um and I, I feel like partially that's because gonzaga's at the top of it uh being said another deep team i can think can make a run will be syracuse i think they they're first i think they're gonna stomp baylor um, yeah, and I think that you know with that zone they play, they might be able to take down Gonzaga, and then you know who knows what's going to happen when they play FSU. But at that point, you know anything could happen. Yeah, man, Syracuse always seems to show up come tournament time. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's the Jim Beheim effect. Um, yep. and he's playing with his son. Like that's pretty dope. Buddy mm-hmm. Beheim might, and hopefully a lot of that obviously is pending on Tyus Battles being back and healthy. Um, right. But you know we'll we'll see what happens. And and the last one I want to touch on because this is a team that made the Final Four last year, and I feel like nobody's talking about them. They got they just lost the the Big Ten uh, championship games in Michigan State, but dude, Michigan is a good fucking team, man. And they they you know they returned Jordan Poole, and they got yeah. wh- whoever that freshman is, uh, uh, Blinken, uh, uh Brad Zakis, Brad Zakis. Yeah, he's the freshman of the year in the conference. Fresh- yeah, so I mean, dude, they've got a really solid team, and and like I said, went to the Final Four last year, returned most of the starters. They lost Mo Wagner, but you know, they they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Honestly, kind of looking at my bracket, and not to disclose too much, but if you look at their map to the finals uh, or their road to the finals, I should say, you know, they've got some decent competition but really you know the first head-to-head that they're gonna face is you know if they make it this far is Gonzaga um you know in that in that sweet 16 matchup so uh, you know I I agree with you Harry I've got Michigan going quite far here I, I like the looks of their team I think a lot of people are swaying uh to Michigan's side as well so yeah know, follow the fucking crowd i guess i think on on that note i think one team that's sort of also being overlooked is texas tech and you know just like you said if all goes according to plan here uh they're due for a matchup in the sweet 16 so that'll be fun to watch if uh you know we get that two three matchup there Mm -hmm. two very good teams well um do you guys have anything else to touch upon or or can we quickly tackle some of the teams to completely avoid in this uh year's 2019 yeah. March uh, I'm bracket. good 
Word. All right. Well, I know that we have three teams that we wanted to warn you all about, one of which we've already mentioned previously, that being Washington, uh, but the other two being Baylor and Ohio State. Um, these three teams we've kind of marked uh, as a red flag, um, and I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys to start us off as to why we believe so. Uh, yeah, Baylor, as I just hinted at in the 8-9 matchup with Syracuse, stay the fuck away from this team. They're riding a four-game losing streak into the into the tournament you just you hate to see that and i i just i don't know i i feel like syracuse again just playing tough acc teams uh wins over louisville by 20 and duke um you know that's impressive duke with the zion williamson i believe at the time um so there's something to be said for all of that but uh yeah i just don't like how baylor has finished down the stretch here and I think they're ready to just pack it in and call it a season. Uh, well, uh, joining them as well, uh, I believe, will be OSU. The uh, Buckeyes went at 8-12 and 12 in their conference this year. Um, as previously mentioned, <laughs> didn't play too much uh, with a backbone this season, seemingly, and their only impressive win uh, to a ranked team came to number 22 Iowa so I uh, I would go ahead and fucking toss these guys overboard along with Baylor um, and as we previously mentioned Washington in the Pac-12 so <laughs> any last thoughts I'm Harry uh, Tom yeah fuck OSU they took away an NC State spot in the tournament should have been there should have been there oh man who who's anti NC Yeah, the guy, the guy who couldn't Brent? be here tonight. That sucks because yeah. they're they're uh Dude, t- Tana, the Tana NC Hill State was... like dean or head coach or I I don't know who somebody released this like like page long press release on why they deserve to be in the tournament and how disappointed they were. And as much as I hate to like say that they should be in over Ohio State, it's like come on, dude! Like don't don't do that shit now. Don't don't do that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, and let's be honest. So every single year, some team is going to get snubbed. That's not like a that's you know, and some team is probably going to get in that doesn't deserve it. That's just should, it's should should have won more games. It should have won more games. It's the way the cookie crumbles. I don't know, something like that. Something along those lines. All right, well, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Um, let's go ahead and close things up here with uh, this year's end of regulation bracketology. We'll kick it over to Harrison to close this out with a buzzer beater. Yeah, quick buzzer beater. Um, just quick shout out to Rory McElroy uh, for taking home the players' championship this year, speeding out Jim Furyk. Uh, Rory played very, very solid golf, especially on Sunday when it seemed like a lot of players were uh, struggling to, to score and, and put up good numbers. Um, you know, a couple guys did. You know, Jim Furyk put up good numbers. Eddie Pepperell put up a 66 to kind of put himself in the mix. Haven't really heard his name since last year's British Open. He was the guy who played Sunday hungover and shot 64 or whatever it was. And uh, so he's he's obviously a fan favorite. But um, Legend. Yeah, big win for Rory. We got the Masters coming up in a couple of weeks, so uh, be sure to tune in for that. Uh, I'd like to try to you know bring in some uh, some other expertise in the golf world to, to help us out with that one. So uh, stay tuned. We'll do Masters in, I think, three weeks, three or four weeks. So we'll see you then. Countdown begins. Tom's I just want to give everyone who's listening uh, an, an open invitation to join our end of regulation 
bracket league. Um, just go on to ESPN Tournament Challenge, search end of regulation 2019 2019 and uh, join. We'd love to have you and let, you know see if you can hang with us. See how our our comments and thoughts stand up, or you know let us know undoubtedly when they turn to shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always. It was a goddamn pleasure. If you're not already, please make sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Additionally, please make sure to click to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. It is our lifeblood. It also will allow for you all to stay up to date on our weekly released episodes. Go ahead and make sure to submit a bracket to this year's end of regulation, March Madness. See if you can beat the experts. This day in music history back in 1965 to close us up the Rolling Stones were each fined 5 euro which is the equivalent of about $8.50 for urinating in public uh, following an incident that had taken place uh, outside of a radio station so tonight we'll be playing you out the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah.